I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life or when the kids are screaming and all you can do is say, stop yelling, right? And you're like, oh, well, I was just yelling at them to stop yelling, right? And, and you realize how kind of hypocritical you're being. And you're like, well, that's a parent fail moment. We all have those. That doesn't make us bad parents. That only makes us human. Uh, and we said last week that God has given us some major responsibilities as a parent. And the first part of that responsibility is to imprint the word of God on our children's heart. We start young. We let them know that the number one authority in our lives, not just their lives, but in our lives, is the word of God. And we start doing that. How many of you guys took up? I saw some of the videos this week. I know the Masons posted theirs. I know the Galans posted theirs. But we, we said, hey, the best way we can do that is begin imprinting it on our own lives by memorizing the word of God. And we challenged ourselves to make a video of our family saying the Psalm 119.11, I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. If you haven't done that yet, it's not too late. Go home and make that video. Put it on our Facebook page and show the world that you are in the process of imprinting the word of God on your kids' lives, on your grandkids' lives, or just if you don't have kids, on your own life. Because the things that we're going to talk about this week and next week are not just for parents. Because what we have to realize is that there is a world that is watching us. And so even if we don't have kids, it's important for the world around us to see that, hey, here is a man, here is a woman who has imprinted the word of God on their life. Here is a man, here is a woman who's impressed the word of God on their lives. So last week we talked about imprinting the word of God on, on our kids' lives. And this week, we're going to talk about living it out. We're going to talk about impressing the word of God on their lives. What does it look like when the values that we have, when what we say and what we do, what we proclaim to believe match up, when people can see that it's the driving influence of our behavior and our patterns, when what we do and what we match up, uh, what we say match up, those are called impression points. Impression points, and today we're going to talk about some of those impression points, but I think these are clearly seen in that little chart that we had last week. It's in your bulletin again, and we're going to leave it up here for just a little bit if you want to draw it, but uh, last week we talked about imprint. We can go ahead and put the full chart up there. We talked about imprints from zero to seven. This is your stage where you just get to imprint things on your kids' lives, and it's easy because they believe everything that you say. Everything you say is gospel truth to them, and they just believe it. They don't ask a whole lot of questions until they're about two, and then everything's just why, why, why. But other than that, they just they believe what we tell them. And they listen, and they remember, and they recall. And then we get to this next stage, 7 to 14, and that's where we begin impressing the word of God on their lives. And this is where they have to see that not only are we saying it to them, but this is where they're looking to see if we're doing what we say, if what we say and what we do matches up. And I think this is best illustrated in this little crisscross right here because what we said last week in that zero to seven age, we get to lead by size and position. We get to say, you have to do this because I'm the daddy and I said so. Or we get to pick them up and physically remove them from a situation or physically put them in a situation. As time goes on, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to physically remove an 18-year-old from a bad situation, but that doesn't tend to go well. Uh, or to tell an 18-year-old, you have to do this because I'm the daddy and I said so, usually they're going to say, stop treating me like a kid. And so we have to learn not just to lead out of size and position, but also out of relationship. We have to build a relationship with our kids. And I can tell you, this is, uh, this is kind of where Amanda and I are in, in our life because we've got three kids, triplets, that are about to be seven in the, in the next year. 
And we've got one who's, who's about to turn three in September. And so we're in this stage of learning how to build out that relationship and lead out of relationship. And it takes time. I mean, I, I got to say, when they, when they were potty trained and they could go to the bathroom by themselves and they started taking baths by themselves and, and they could start like making their own sandwiches, I thought I had arrived. Like I thought, this is it. This is the best thing. Like they have a little digital clock in their room that tells them when it's seven o'clock so they don't wake us up at six o'clock on a Saturday and, and they can read that clock and they know, okay, we're not allowed out of our room until we can go until it says seven. And I was like, this is the life. This is what we've been waiting for. We're there. We're sleeping through the night. I'm not wiping heinies anymore. This is, this is the best. But then I realized that, no, this is, this is actually where it starts to take on a little bit of extra work for me to invest in them, to pour into them. Because what they need from me is a little bit more relationship. And that relationship's going to increase over time because what they need to see is not just daddy and mommy saying this is what we believe and saying we're going to memorize scriptures, but they need to see it in my life, in Amanda's life as well. What we have to realize is that all the time we are imprinting things on our kids. We are impressing things on our kids. The question is, are we impressing the things that we want to impress on them? Are we really impressing the values that we want to impress? Because it's not just enough for us to show up here and there and say, oh yeah, we love God. God's the number one in our lives, but we're only going to go to church once every six weeks or when it's convenient. We're only going to open our Bibles when we remember to. They need to see that what we say and what we do matches up and we begin to impress it on their lives. Uh, I can remember uh, one of the greatest impressions that was made on me was my freshman year in high school when I was pole vaulting. Uh, And I chose pole vault because it was the least amount of running that you could do. uh, And and it was typically really good for short people, right? Uh, Because you, you can just, the getting over the bar is a little bit easier when you're short. And I can remember Coach Harrell was our, our varsity uh, track coach for pole vaulting. And he was also a football coach, and he looked a lot more like a football coach than he did like a track coach, if you know what I mean. He was a big guy. He was stout, um, but he had also, you know, over the years, put on a little bit of, pa- little bit of weight. He, he kind of looked a little bit like the Pillsbury Doughboy with like coach's shorts on you know, and the socks up to here, like that was Coach Harrell. And he was older, and, and so we're out there, first day of practice, and he's talking to us, and we're like, Coach, when do, we, like, when, do we, when do we just hit the weight room? We know this is all about upper body strength and everything. He's like, no, this is all about technique. And we're like, Coach, come on. Like, it, we know there's a technique to it, but this is all about how much you can bend that bar, how strong you are, your upper body, pulling it back and getting that bar bent so you can slingshot over, over the pole. And uh, he says, no, this is, this is all about technique. And, you know, we're looking at Coach Harrell, and we're like, what do you know about pole vaulting? Like, if you tried to pole vault, you're likely to just snap every pole in half. You know, number one, you're too strong. Number two, you're just too big. And I'll tell you, he, he gets some of the guys that had been on varsity the year before. He had Toby Kettle was this one guy. He could do like 13, 14 feet as a junior in high school. It was, a, it was phenomenal. And so he, he has... Toby Kettle go. He says, how do, how do you want the bar? It's like 10 feet. So he sets it at 10 feet. Toby takes off and he goes over the bar. And then coach says, my turn. Grabs a pole, takes three steps and gets himself over the 10 foot bar. 
in three steps what it what took our number one pole vaulter to do running full speed. He does in three steps. And he says, remember, I told you it's all about technique. It was at that moment that every single one of us, our jaws were on the floor because at that moment we knew that what Coach Harrell said and what he could do matched up. They lined up, and for the rest of the season, nobody questioned what Coach Harrell had to say. We just did it. If he told us to do it, we did it, right? And those are the kinds of moments that we need to have where we make that impression on our kids, where, where what we say and what we do line up. And uh, I think this is, this is a great way to see uh, we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And again, this, this isn't just about parents. Because let me tell you, the world is watching you as a follower of Jesus Christ. When you go to work and you talk about how you just went to church on Sunday, you talk about your community group, you talk about how you love Jesus, how you trust in Jesus, your coworkers are watching you to see if what you say and what you do match up. Your classmates, when you walk around campus, your roommate, when you're, when you're in the room together, they are watching to see if what you say and what you do match up. And there are times that, that you, not, maybe not as a parent, but just as a follower of Jesus Christ, have a chance to make an impression on someone that, wow, what this person says and what they do match up. There must be something to their faith. There must be something to this. And so, Everything that we're going to say this morning, if you're not a parent, don't worry, don't tune out. Uh, This is for you as well. I want us to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. This is the Shema that we're going to study today. This is something that was extremely important to the people of Israel. And this is what it says in verse 1. This is the commandment, the statutes and ordinances, the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. So that it, so that, uh, do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life, keeping all his statutes and commands. I am giving you your son and your daughter, uh, excuse me, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you the land flowing with milk and honey. So what we see here is the the people of Israel, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise to a man named Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you descendants and I'm going to give you land. This is now over 400 years later that Israel, his descendants, are now taking possession of the land that God has promised them. And Moses has led the people out of Israel. They get to Mount Sinai. He brings down the Ten Commandments. Then they don't take possession of the land because that first generation didn't believe that God could do what he said he was going to do. And so God says, now you have to wander the desert. And so here in Deuteronomy, that that first generation has passed away. And now it's the second generation who's, who's been hearing the law from their parents. And Moses says, hey, before you go into the land, Before you go into the land, God wants me to remind you of his laws, of the Ten Commandments, of all the laws. And so Deuteronomy is the whole second giving of the law. And he starts by saying, let me remind you of the statutes and the ordinances that God has given us. I want you to be reminded so that it will go well with you. What is it exactly that he wants them to remember? Tells us in verse 4. Listen, Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be on your children's heart. Is that what it says? Anytime I say something the Bible doesn't say, you're supposed to yell out heresy, right? So what's it? 
It says, it's supposed to be on your children's heart. A little louder. Heresy, right? That's not what it says. Whose heart? All right, now make it personal. Whose heart? My heart. Your heart. He says, if you're going to impress these things on your kids, it starts and ends with you. It starts and ends with me as the parent. I have to impress it on my heart first. On my heart first. The first thing that we have to understand about making impression points is that they must be incarnational. Impression points must be incarnational. We can't sit back and say, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but, you know, I'm not so into it. But that's what I want for you, my kids. No, they have to see that it's real for us. That word incarnation comes from two words. That means in flesh. In the flesh. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh. The word being Jesus, God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He embodied himself. And that's exactly what we have to do. We have to embody the love of God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. In the ancient world, the heart was cognitive knowledge. This is what we think. The soul was who we are, your being. It's who you are. And then your strength is your activity. It's what you do. So what you think, who you are, and what you do is embodied with a love of God. And and I don't know if you're a parent or not, but just as a follower of Jesus Christ, that hits me. That hits me hard that what what I'm supposed to be be about, the number one thing that I'm supposed to be about is loving God with all that I am. And as I do that, my kids see that, That's my first responsibility as a parent is to make sure that that's what they see in me, that they see me loving God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. This isn't just about big events, showing up at big events and doing things here and there. This has got to be every day. It's got to be all that we do is wrapped around loving God. I remember when I was in sixth grade, I met a a friend at school named Clayton. And Clayton, every once in a while, would wear a New York Yankees hat. Now, I grew up in Houston, and I grew up with a love for the Houston Astros, uh, and I hated the Yankees. Like, I just knew as a kid, like, there were other teams. The Reds were kind of our rivals in the, in the league, but you just, you hate the Yankees. Everybody hates the Yankees, right? And, and I couldn't figure out why Clayton, I was like, were you born there? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, are, you know, what's the deal? And he said, no, I just, I like the Yankees. And I, well, you were born in Houston, right? Yeah. Why not the Astros? I don't, I just like the Yankees. And I could never figure it out until one day I showed up at his, at his house and I went inside his house and his dad is like Yankees socks, Yankees sweatpants, Yankees shirt, Yankees hat. Like he probably had a Yankee tattoo on his face. I don't know. But I just remember everything that his dad had on was about the Yankees. They were watching the Yankees game on TV. I see news clip, newspaper clippings of Yankee stories. I see stacks and stacks of, of those books where you collect the baseball cards that are just filled with Yankees baseball cards. I think Clayton knew more about dead Yankees than most of us know about alive Yankees, right? And, and 
all of a sudden, it hit me. Clayton is a Yankees fan because his dad is a Yankees fan. And I can guarantee you there was never a day that his dad came home and said, hey, son, guess what? We are Yankees fans. This is the way it is. We're going to live, eat, breathe the Yankees. His dad never had to do that. He just lived it. He just put on his Yankees jersey, turned on the Yankees game, read about the Yankees, talked about the Yankees. And pretty soon, his sons became Yankees fans because it was embodied by their dad. It was who he was. It was what he did. The same thing ought to be true for us. It's not like we have to come home and say, have some come to Jesus moment like, hey, kids, we are following Jesus. No, we just have to live it out. They have to see it embodied in us. We have to love God, his word, follow Jesus. Let them see us serving, worshiping together, making it a priority. It's got to take on flesh. And parents, it starts with us. We can't have a mentality of do as I do and not as I say. It has to start with us. And I can tell you, um, one of the things that, that I've been convicted of lately is I used to get up really early and do my quiet time before anybody else would get up because that's my quiet time. And I was really convicted that, you know what, my kids need to see me doing this. So I'm going to get up early and I'm going to do a couple other things I'm going to wait until they're awake because the memory that I want of my kids is their father sitting at the breakfast table, having a cup of coffee with his Bible open, studying the word of God. And I can't tell you the number of mornings that they've, whoever's up first, I invite them to come sit in my lap and it's maybe not as quiet of a time as I'd like, but I have them sit in my lap and I say, let's read this together. Let me teach you what the word of God says. Let's talk about what it means and how we live this out today because I want them to look back and say, this is who my dad was. Not because he was a pastor, not because of anything that he did because it was his job, but because he loved God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the first thing we have to do is we have to make sure that we are embodying it. It has to be incarnational. Let's continue on in verse 6 and 7. He goes on and says this. He says, these are the words that I am giving you today. They are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The second thing I want us to see is that impression points should take advantage of the incidentals. Now, let me say this. Incidental does not mean insignificant. Incidental just means these are the things that happen all the time. When you're going for a walk to get the mail and you see a rainbow in the sky after the, after the rainfall, if it ever happens again. You see that rainbow in the sky, rather than just saying, oh, isn't that pretty? Say, kids, look at that rainbow God has blessed us with. See the difference? You've just interjected God into the, an incidental. When you're driving them to school, one of the things that I love, I, I mentioned last week how Evie could repeat all seven of the Bible verses that our kids have learned, and she's learning even more. Why is that? Because she was just sitting in the car on the way to school, she's stuck, right? She's got no choice. She's stuck. And Amanda's reminding the kids, hey, Charlie, what's your Bible verse? Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Great. What does that mean? It means God cares more about our heart than the way that I look. Good. Right? And so she's hearing that every morning. She's hearing, bear, what does Proverbs 29.11 say? A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps it in check. Good. What does 1 Corinthians 15, 33? 
It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Good, what does that mean? It means I need to be careful in what friends that I pick. And pretty soon, Evie's able to repeat them all. We're just on our way to school. It's a 15-minute drive. Redeem the time. Take time to, to use those things. Um, take time around the dinner table. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're having dinners uh, regularly. You know, the things that we can do that are just opportunities for us as we're, as we're going, going and sitting down for a meal. We've got to take advantage of those. I can think of one specifically that happened not long ago. We moved into a house um, over in the village about two, a little over two years ago. And uh, we were coming home from church one day, and there's just smoke billowing up from the field a few streets behind our house. And in fact, Angela's not here today, but it almost caught her house on fire. Brand new house, just built, almost caught on fire and burned to the ground. That would have been awful. But there's this huge brush fire. And I had one of the kids in the car with me, and I just said, hey, let's go over and look at the fire. And we'd been camping a number of times, and um, got to, got, they knew about campfire, and how they love campfire, because that means s'mores and hot dogs, and who doesn't love s'mores and hot dogs over a campfire? Uh, so we go, and there's, I mean, just like this raging fire sweeping through this dried-out brush. And then later on, we took all the kids over there to see the destruction that this fire had caused. And I asked the kids, is fire good or bad? And they're looking at the destruction right in front of them, and they said, oh, fire, fire's bad, fire's bad. And I said, well, what about when we go camping and we have s'mores? No, fire's good, and they're fighting about how good fire is, and they're like, but this is bad. It's like, right. Fire's not either good or bad. It's how we use it that makes the difference. And then I got to talk to him about James, where James says that our tongue is like a fire. Fire can either be something that builds us up and warms us up, or it can be something that burns someone to the ground. We have to be careful with our words. Four years old, they got it. They understood, and they still talk about that today. Daddy, our words are like fire, aren't they? Yeah. It was just an incidental, it was just a moment, something that happened. And I was like, I've got to find a way to use this to make an impression point on my kids. We've got to find ways to impress these things on our kids because they're watching what we say and what we do to see if they match up. But it's not just about the incidentals. I think we also have to be mindful to craft, craft some opportunities intentionally. Impression points should be crafted intentionally. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy says, Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, what are some ways, what he's talking about here is, is a little thing called a phylactery. A phylactery is where they would take pieces of scripture, they would write them, and then they would tie them around their forehead so that it was always there. So there was always something to talk about. He's saying, I want you to be intentional about talking to your kids about these things. And so they, they would create these intentional moments that when it would be seen on their hand or on their wrist, on their forehead, that it would remind them that, hey, I need to talk to my kids about scripture. I need to impress this, them on this. Uh, it's taking time to think through what are some ways that I can create a moment and experience to talk to my kids about God and his word. And some of these are already built into our lives, like the holidays, Christmas and Easter. Those are great ways to spend time talking to your kids about God's word. In my family growing up as a kid, we always went to Christmas Eve service on Sunday night. And then we would come home and we always got to open one gift and we always knew what it was because it was pajamas. And so we'd open our Christmas pajamas. But before we could open our pajamas, 
dad would sit down and he would read from the Gospels the story of the birth of Christ. And then Christmas morning, we'd wake up and before we could open any presents, dad would open the Bible again and he would read the story of the birth of Jesus Christ because they never wanted us to forget what Christmas was really about. They were intentional. Something that we've carried over into our family, Easter, before we do Easter eggs, before we do Easter bunny, we sit down and we read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we talk about what it means and why it's so important. We have other opportunities, things like baptism, baby dedications, driver's license, graduations, all these rites of passage that we have where we, we have a chance to sit down and talk with our kids about, hey, you're, you're taking on a new responsibility. You're getting older, and here's what the Word of God says. And some of those you might need to craft and create for yourself. Create some rites of passages for your kids where, where you take the time and say, you know what, son? You're, you're getting to be, you're no longer a little boy. You're now a young man. We're going to celebrate this. You're no longer a little girl. You're a young woman, and we're going to celebrate this. And here's what the Word of God says a young woman looks like. And here's what God wants you to know about who you are. And we craft those moments intentionally. And how do we take those, some of those moments and point our kids to Jesus? I can remember when I was in fifth grade, my parents were teaching a course called uh, Survival Guide for New Believers. And it was intended for kids going into sixth grade or going into seventh grade. But my parents were the teachers, so I got to sit in on the class. And I remember them teaching that class. And I remember doing scripture memory every week in those verses that, that they taught taught me through that class have stuck with me even through today. They were intentional. They said, hey, this is a transitional period in your life and we want to be here. We want to talk to you about what it looks like when you go from elementary school to middle school because there's some things that are going to change and we want to pour into you. We want to teach that to you. There's opportunities every three years as a church. We go through biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. Um, we would love for every single high school boy and every single high school girl to go through biblical manhood if they're a boy and biblical womanhood for a girl and to be there with their parents and to go through and have that discussion about, okay, I'm, I got three, maybe four years before I leave home. What does it look like to be a man of God on my own when mommy and daddy aren't around? We'd love for those things to take place. There's other things. Um, one of my favorite things to do is this last year, uh, triplets started school. I've taken them dove hunting with me a couple times, and we've got some pictures here. This is one of their favorite things. Um, I didn't start taking them until about two years ago, but every, every year, opening weekend, this picture right here, sorry, I know it's a little, we got a dead bird, but uh, we brought this, brought this home, and Evie, our two-year-old at the time, she goes, oh, he's sleeping. I was like, he can be asleep for a long time. Uh, and then we've got Bear, and you know, you don't shoot as many birds, when you got a wiggly five-year-old next to you, it's a little bit louder than uh, just sitting in the woods and thinking to yourself, but man, I wouldn't trade these moments for anything in my life. And these are the moments where we get to sit. It's usually the first week in September. It's 104 degrees, five o'clock in the afternoon. You're sitting there just melting, but you're next to your kid and you're talking to him about the, the word of God and, and the beautiful sunset and the warmth. And isn't it great that we have friends that God has blessed us with that let us come hunt on their land. Uh, and it's just great. And I can remember this last year, I got to pick one of my boys up. I took him out of school early. I took him out of school early and just said, you know what, we're going to leave school early and we're going to go and we're going to sit in the field and we're going to talk about word of God and hopefully we shoot something. 
that we can eat later on. It was great. It made a great impression on them. And then not only that, but we do daddy-daughter dates. This is uh, my, my oldest daughter, Charlie, and she was about 17 months when this picture was taken. Five years ago, we had moved to uh, Cedar Park, and I was getting ready to start the church planning residency over at Hill Country Bible, and they were having this daddy-daughter date night at Chick-fil-A, and I took her, and uh, I didn't think she'd ever remember it, but it was something that I wanted to start doing. She's just old enough to be talking, and this picture sits on her nightstand by her bed, and she's told me this is her favorite picture that she's never going to throw away. She could barely talk. I didn't know what to talk about. I'm just sitting there hoping she doesn't have a blowout diaper. (laughs) But we're there, and it started her tradition. And then when her little sister came along, Evie, I got to take her and her sister on a double date. And it's a tradition that we continue. We, We take our kids on these dates. And uh, recently, Malachi got to take his mom. We had a gift card to Longhorn Steakhouse, and he took his mom on a date. And he, uh, she said it was really funny because I talked about opening every door for her and pulling out her chair. And if she gets up from the table, you stand up. And uh, she said, when they got to the parking lot, he's sitting in the back in his booster seat, and he said, Mom, stay right there. I'm going to come get your door. And <laughs> so... She's got to open the door to the minivan to let him out. And he, sure enough, he walks around and he opens her door. And, you know, we're, we're teaching them how to be men of God. And Bear has a date scheduled with Mommy for Tuesday night. And we're, we're teaching them what it means to, to love another person, to care about another person. And these are the moments where we get to have the conversations that you don't always get to have. Where they tell you something that you didn't know was going on in their life, even at six years old. You know, I found out that, that my son Malachi is a little girl named Lane. There was also a little girl named Joey. And there was another little girl. Like, I just, like, I think Lane is the one that, that they've talked about getting married. But, like, all these girls. And I'm like, well, son, you can have girls that are friends, but we're not having girlfriends. He's like, I know, Daddy. I, that's what I tell him all the time. And I was like, well, you're blessed with your father's good looks. Like, what can I say? So... Now, I can hear that laughing, by the way. I wouldn't expect you to laugh that hard. We've got to be intentional about crafting these moments. And and you know what? Uh, A great way to do this is to just jump in where your kids are. One of the things that I love about River Rock Bible Church is every kid from nursery all the way through fifth grade every week has a Bible story. They have songs that they sing. They go home with worksheets. And I don't know about you, but my kids come out of Sunday school and they're ready to show me their coloring sheet. They're ready to show me the worksheet that they did. And what an opportunity. It's already built in for you. An intentional moment, say, get down on your knee, get down on their level and say, tell me about the story. What was the story about? Or as you sit over lunch, say, tell me about the story that you had today. If they're real little, say, tell me what songs did you sing? And I can tell you, Evie, she's almost three, but she can tell me every song that they sang at Sunday school that day. And so we sit, and can you teach Daddy that song? How's it go? Those moments are are crafted intentionally for you. Just jump in where they are. I I gave this away last week. I want to give it away again this week. This is God's Creation A to Z, five-minute family devotional. Who has a kid from 7 to 14 that you would say, 14 maybe a little old, but maybe middle elementary school age, and you say, you know what, if you give me those, I will take those home and start this week being intentional with my kids, with my grandkids. Anybody have some kids right here? Excellent. God's creation, A to Z. Here you go, Dana. 
Excellent. I got some more of those next week, so you got to come back and get those. But these are just ways that we can intentionally craft moments with our kids and ask them about what's going on. So how do we do this? Again, last week we said we want to imprint the Word of God on our heart. That's a great way. That Bible verse, that memory verse is there at, in your bulletin every single week. That's a great place to start. A great, another great thing to do if you're wondering, how do I do this? How do I begin to impress this on my kids? You just start where they are. Start where they are. And you know what I think a great place, great thing to do is? Parent, grandparent, wherever you are, find out where your kids are in Sunday school and serve there once a month. What about instead of just sending our kids to stuff, we actually did it with them. We let them see us serving. What if instead of just sending our kids to Backyard Bible Club, we actually hosted a Backyard Bible Club and we said, you know what? Your mommy and daddy love the Lord your God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, so much that we want our neighbors to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength. So we're going to have these people in our front yard, or I'm going to serve in your Sunday school class once a month so that you can see how important this is to me. Or we're going to be involved, we're going to serve together here as a family. And we begin to impress those things on their hearts because it's been embodied, because it's incarnational. We're going to take advantage of the incidentals, and we're going to intentionally craft some of those moments where we can impress those things on our kids. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, Lord, you give us such simple instructions, just love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and sometimes we make, make it harder than it is. Father, would you help us to to look for those opportunities in the everyday life where we can point our kids to you and say, this is the one we serve, this is the one we worship, this is his word, this is what it says, and this is why it's important to us. And then would we also be intentional at crafting moments, creating experiences for our kids where we can say, this is how great our God is, and this is why your, your mommy and daddy, your grandma and grandpa, This is why we want you to know him. For those who aren't parents, I pray that they would be intentional as they go to work, that they would look for opportunities to impress on the people around them that this is why they serve the one true God. This is who he is, that they would take advantage of those incidentals and say, isn't my God amazing? We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. As the worship team Uh, leads us in one more song. I would just encourage you. You have in your bulletin uh, the connection card. Take a second to finish filling that out. And at the bottom, if you're parent, grandparent, write how we could be praying for you. Write maybe what is your next step in what it means to be impressing the Word of God on your kids and how we might be able to help you as a church. If you have questions, that's not a problem. Ask your questions. Let us know about that. And then I, I just would ask if you're, if you're not a parent, think about ways that you can impress the Word of God on your life and on the lives of the people around you. And if you want us to be praying about someone that you're, you're hoping God would make an impression on them, let us know who that is. Let us know how we can be praying for you personally. At the same time, our ushers are going to receive the offering uh, after this song. But take a moment, fill out your connection card. I'll be back at the connection cable connection table. You can feel free to grab me. If you just want someone to pray with you, pray for your family, pray for your kids. I'll be back there and 
I would be happy to do that with you. Stand with me.